Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. The Toronto Raptors have just re-signed Fred Van Vliet to a four-year, $85 million contract. Um, this came in Saturday uh, around the afternoon, early afternoon-ish. You know, Van Vliet was reportedly taking meetings on Saturday morning in Chicago. Uh, Masai, Bobby, maybe others went to travel uh, to see Fred make their case, and the deal was done relatively quickly. Fred was true to his word. He was not going to play around in free agency. He wasn't going to make the Kawhi week-long kind of decision, try to make moves and all that. Come correct with the right offer, and Fred was going to take the money. And the Raptors have shown that they value Fred. I mean, absolutely. I think Fred has shown a lot for the Raptors to value in the first place. So let's first off start with the terms of the contract. So it's a four-year, $85 million contract for Fred Van Vliet. The fourth year is a player option, which is quite nice for Fred. That means he can re-enter free agency again when he is 29 years old. Uh, of course, there's also the added flexibility. If he wants to pick up that option, that is also still a pretty generous option uh, that he can lean on as well. Um, in terms of the deal itself, so it's structured slightly differently where the first year of the Raptors, um, his contract, it's $21.25 million in the first year, and then it dips to $19.55 million in the second season. This is reporting from Blake Murphy at The Athletic. Shout out, Blake. Um, but yeah, so the reason the Raptors are doing this, well, A, I think it actually makes a lot of sense to load that first year. Um, because the Raptors are going to be playing in Florida next year. Honestly, because there's no state income tax for that one season of you know uh, of home games, because it, it is collected based on which you know physical location the games are played. But at least half your games are going to be at home, and so you can maybe get a little bit more money that way. Um, and then the more important thing is the Raptors structured this deal to create as much room in the 2021 free agency period. As possible, and and they and they have accomplished that by dipping Fred's contract about you know about a million and a half lower in the second year. I don't think it matters to Fred. As with all the money, if you get money up front, then you can. You know, everyone prefers that instead of having it later on. Um, I don't know. You can collect interest or whatever, but uh, yeah, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. It creates some flexibility for twenty twenty one. And in terms of where that compares, Fred's contract among point guard. This is a. I'm looking at uh, Sport Track. Among point guards, Fred Van Vliet's contract would pay him roughly to be the 15th highest paid point guard in the league. And I'll just read you some of the players ahead of him um, and how much they make. So Steph Curry, $43 million. Okay, fair enough. He's, you know, arguably the best point guard of all time. Chris Paul, $41 million. Also a great point guard. Russell Westbrook, $41 million, you know, formerly, well, you know, still pretty productive, all-star, everything like that. John Wall, $41 million. 
These are all Supermax deals. And then you get out of the Supermax deals, you get to Mike Conley, $34 million. Kemba Walker, $34 million. Kyrie Irving, $33 million. Dame Lillard, $31 million. Of course, his contract is going to bump up soon to in that 40s range because he's also on a Supermax extension as well. Ben Simmons, $30.5 million. Uh, Kyle Lowry, $30.5 million. D'Angelo Russell, $28.6 million. Jamal Murray, $27.3 million. Drew Holiday, $26.3 million. And then Malcolm Brogdon, who's making essentially the same contract as Fred. Fred essentially signed the Malcolm Brogdon deal. Um, so that puts Fred 15th on the list. And honestly, if you look at some of the players, you know, down below him, you know, you're looking at guys like, um, you know, uh, De'Aaron Fox, who just signed a max contract. So he's going to be bumping up there too. His, he's still on a rookie deal. So his salary is low for the, in the meantime. And if you look down the list, I mean, there's a couple of guys here that's probably going to become, uh, max contract guys, you know, uh, a John Moran, you could easily see him becoming a max contract player. Luka Doncic, you could easily see him becoming a max contract player. Trey Young, similar kind of situation. So what you're looking at with Fred is that he has signed an average uh, starting salary point guard for a player who has hit for agency. And honestly, totally fair. I mean, I think that's already fair value for what Fred did last season where Fred averaged 17.6 points, 6.6 assists, 1.9 steals, led the league in deflections. Uh, per game, and um, you know, was one of the Raptors' best three-point shooters, one of the Raptors' best scorers, one of the, their best uh, playmakers, led the team in drives, you know, w- well ahead of Kyle Lowry, so he actually had the ball a lot, um, you know, when Kyle went down, he kept the Raptors afloat, him and Pascal together, Raptors uh, went 10-2 and two without Kyle Lowry this past season, and Fred averaged essentially like 28-5, and five. Um, over that stretch to keep them uh, above water. And yeah, you know, and, and that's that's a nice thing to have. But I mean, at the moment, though, you just kind of still have Fred with Kyle in the backcourt together. And again, just even if they got last season's production, it's pretty good as in terms of contract. And if Fred improves even more, which is totally possible, um, I know pe- there's there's always the perception of limited upside with Fred, but I think, you know, that has more to do with people's perceptions of... Um, what a player should look like and the fact that he's undersized and this and that doesn't really play this and that, whatever. If you just look at the actual tangible results, Fred has shown improvement every single year as a rookie, 2016, 17, three points per game, obviously was like the four string point guard. Then 8.6 points per game. He was the backup uh, point guard, obviously the leader of that bench mob group. Although honestly, a lot of the guys on the bench mob were quite good. You know, he was, maybe just the most profiled guy in that group in terms of everyone wrote about him that year. Um, but nevertheless, showed great improvement in the second year. Improvement in the third year. Obviously, the regular season was a little bit up and down for Fred. He was dealing with some injuries. Uh, there were some trades. Roster was getting shuffled. But as we all know, what happened in that playoff run after Fred was uh, his, his son was born, his second child, uh, Fred completely snaps, takes over in the Buck series, seven threes on the road, game five. Uh, and then goes on to the finals. And I actually had just watched a compilation um, on Too Much Hoops. Uh, Brad, who I've had on the podcast multiple times, great channel. Uh, but Too Much Hoops on Twitter, uh, on um, well, I guess Twitter and YouTube. I was watching a compilation of Fred and what he did in the finals, both offensively and defensively. And honestly, I just, it's it was incredible. It was incredible to see. And obviously, he balled out in the finals. Uh, 22 points, including 12 points in Game 6 of the Finals. And then this past year, first year as an entrenched starter, 
Starts 54 games. You know, he battles some minor injuries, but 17.6 points, 6.6 assists. The steals, everything went up. Fred uh, shot the three well, expanded his range. He's shown improvements. I don't really see why he has to stop improving now. Because if you told someone back as a rookie, this is Fred Van Vliet, you're going to be like, he has limited upside. He's short. Not that athletic. And he just keeps proving that wrong. So, again, it's fair contra- it's fair value for what he's already doing as a player. And if he even proves even more, then that becomes more and more of a greater value in terms of what you're getting out of this deal. But, ultimately, when you go into free agency, you're pretty much always going to be overpaying unless it's some sort of ring-chasing situation. Um, just because there's more competition for the player and the salaries are, you know, more flexible at that point. And so it is what it is. But I thought it was a good deal because, I mean, when you look at some of the other contracts on around the league, you, it kind of scares you because a guy like Jeremy Grant, who's a nice player and has some really nice moments in the playoffs um, at, at times, but definitely not an established player getting 360 from the Pistons. I don't know what the Pistons are doing. Um, you look at Gordon Hayward getting... Uh, four years, 120 mil. And on top of that, the the Hornets uh, not only signed him to that very, very expensive contract, but uh, they also, um, but they also waived Nick Batum, which is not a big deal, you know, like waving Nick Batum is fine. But the thing is that they're paying Nick Batum to not play for them on the team next year so that they can create enough cap room to fit in $30 million of Gordon Hayward, which means they're paying 30 for Gordon, and then they're paying an additional 9 to create the space to pay Gordon that 30 So they're paying Gordon Hayward $40 million a year, essentially. It, it's kind of unbelievable. Um, you know, and uh, you know, you look at some of the other deals out there. Even uh, Joe Harris, who I like, uh, but, I mean, we saw what happened in that Brooklyn series against Fred. I mean, Fred was the best player in that series, period. And, uh, you know, Harris, he got a four-year, $75 million deal. So I'm pretty happy with the number with Fred. I, you know, I I didn't think it was coming out that high. Obviously, Fred was, um, you know, as Fred usually does, a very straight shooter. He talked about how he wanted to cash out. But I kind of always understood what he was trying to say. He wasn't trying to say, I'm going to cash out because I don't care about my career anymore. I want a championship. I have nothing else to prove. I just want to make money. No, I think he wants to be cashed out in the sense that he wants to be paid what he's worth. And he wants to see his value reflected in his contract. And let's be real. When the, when the when Fred Van Vliet was you know, earning the finals MVP vote from Hubie Brown and playing the way he did in the finals, he was getting paid. Well, first off, no one gets paid in the playoffs. You're getting paid playoff shares, so that's not your salary. But that's, that year, he was getting paid 8-point-something million, 8.5. This past year, when he played at almost at an all-star level, he's on the next next tier, I would say. But this past year, he was paid 8.5 you know, million again, essentially. So that's what he that's what he meant by when he wanted to get cashed out. It wasn't like, here. I don't care about anything else. I'm just going to take the money and go. It wasn't that kind of situation. Fred is, come on. I mean, you just, you just, you know Fred too. He values winning. He told you that. But if you look through his history, a winner in high school, you know, most people are winners in high school, whatever. Winners in high school, winner in university, right? You know, like multiple uh, Sweet 16 runs, a Final Four run with Wichita State. I mean, it's not like this is Kentucky or Duke, okay? It's not like they're getting the top tier prospects. And then comes to Toronto, immediately wins the the D League MVP or the D League championship. Honestly, he had a good chance to win D League MVP, but obviously um, it went to Pascal. Uh, but Fred was sensational on that run too. Uh, and then you know, winner with that bench unit. What they the Raptors win fifty nine games that year. A lot of it was because of the bench. 
winner last year to literally win the championship, and then this past year as well with the Raptors at a 60-win pace before the season was abruptly canceled. So, um, yeah, you know, like, he got cashed out, and now he's getting paid relative to what he's what he's worth, and I'm very happy for him. And honestly, when you think back on his story as a player, it, it's just, it's incredible, and it's impossible not to be happy for him. It's, not, it's incredible not to be happy for him just because, he contributed so much to the championship, right? When someone does something like that, you want to see them get paid. You want to see them stick around. Fred is 26 years old. Uh, you know, even, even you know, I, I don't necessarily want to say he's going to be the Kyle Lowry successor because that rubs people the wrong way. And I think rightfully so because I don't think you're going to realistically replace Kyle. Kyle is a guy that we talk about going into the Hall of Fame. You don't just have another Hall of Fame player come up right after him. Um, but the expectation there is too high. But at least you need someone to run point for you. And I think Fred can do that. And I'm pretty happy with Fred to run the point the way he's going to run it eventually. If down the line Kyle Lowry, you know, ends up leaving the team. You have Fred there. You have a core there. You have Fred. You have Pascal. You have OG. And then you have other guys that are coming up. Whichever these guys are going to, you know, um, develop. One of these undrafted players that the Raptors had. Uh, whether it's the the picks of the Raptors just picked up, you know, Malachi, Flynn, or uh, Jalen Harris, any of these guys, any of the future picks, because the Raptors actually hold those, right? So you have a core in place, and that core itself is not necessarily going to win a championship, but there's enough flexibility in that core, A, in how they play, right? They can fit a lot of players into that. If you want to add a point guard there, Fred can play with another point guard. We've seen that. If you want to add a superstar wing, the, perfect. You know, the, that's probably where the, this, this roster is weakest. Um, and I don't really think you can win with a superstar center anymore, but even if, even still, you can fit a center into that core as well. So it's a flexible core. It's a defensive core. And the Raptors have the financial flexibility to still add more pieces to it. Um, and obviously a front office that has consistently shown uh, an ability to develop talent especially on the cheap. So, um, you know, it's 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 great all around. And I think it's a deal that definitely works for both sides. It works for the Raptors because if you look at his contracts uh, and how it affects the 2021 free agency class, you know, I think there was some maybe premature panicking over the Giannis situation. And who knows, Giannis might still take the Supermax and no one will blame him again for taking a quarter of a billion dollars guaranteed. That's right, a quarter of a billion but at the same time, you look at the the moves the, the Milwaukee Bucks have made, right? They went all in on Drew Holiday, who has one year before he has a player option uh, at the end of the, the the following season. You have um, the Bogdan Bogdanovich thing, which is most likely done now. The, the Bucks are reportedly moving on. If you look at the contracts that they've signed, they're not like they're bringing in real piece people that's really replacing much. Like, if you really think about it, they so they, they signed DJ Augustine today to a three-year deal. So they have essentially traded five picks to upgrade from George Hill, who was quite good for them last year. Remember, he actually shot the three above what Matt Thomas shot the three last year. Uh, George Hill was a really nice player for them. Um, and Eric Bledsoe, who was good in regular season in the playoffs, unplayable. They paid five picks to upgrade from that to Drew Holiday one year and DJ Augustine, who is the worst player of the four. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if that's necessarily the greatest move. I wouldn't necessarily celebrate that as much. Um, there is this whole botched situation with Pat Connaughton, and there are some cap ramifications in which the Bucks essentially did not understand how the CBA worked and screwed themselves and signed them into a 
deal essentially twice as expensive as they originally wanted to just because they made a mistake in the first place offering him a player option. It's very complicated, but essentially the Bucks are kind of screwing the pooch because, look, the bigger picture is it's not necessarily about which one of these small fringe guys you can get from them. It's you have a superstar one year away from potentially walking in free agency. You need to make a significant move to then push you into championship contention. And if you look at the Bucks roster right now, it's not in championship contention. But regardless, the 2021 free agency class is not just Giannis. There's other players too. Um, and yeah, the Raptors still have a pretty good you know path to creating that cap room, right? The Raptors at the moment, with everything right now, which it's not going to say this way because Raptors have other moves to make, but the Raptors could walk into $39 million of cap room next offseason. The max contract for Giannis, for example, would be 33. So the money is still there. Of course, the Raptors still have to fill out the rest of the roster. If they offer any long-term deals, there will be, you know, it'll eat into that. But the flexibility is still there. Fred's contract does not affect that flexibility. Meanwhile, you've accommodated Fred. You've kept him happy. You've shown him you respect him. And it's pretty good. You know, it's pretty good. Some of the reactions around the league have been real solid or around the team. You know, Masai was quoted by David Aldridge um, after the meeting. He said, quote, he always wanted to come back. We love Fred. He loves us. When free agency comes, other teams will go after good players. We do the same thing. He always wanted to come back. And, um, yeah, you know, when you hear something like that, it's just, it's very nice. I mean, look, I, I don't, it's not at the point now where I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if the Raptors can retain their own free agents. I think they've shown that with Kyle. They've shown that with DeMar. They've shown that with Pascal. They've shown that with Fred. Obviously, Kawhi left. Kawhi was a unique situation. Let's be real. Kawhi was dead set on going back to home, and we get it. We literally won the championship. He didn't stay. It is what it is. But, you know, I was not worried about that. Um, but, you know, it's just great to know that the whole situation is there. And, you know, again, having a happy organization in the NBA is a very, very rare, rare thing. And it's to be valued when you look at how many situations around the league are constantly being, you know, um, torn apart just because of, you know, bad politics, uh, you know, you know, pl- players counting each other's money, you know, players being unhappy, satisfying a superstar, this and this and this. We don't have to deal with any of that. And it's actually really quite nice. Um, Kyle also celebrated the deal. He uh, posted some pictures of Fred on Instagram and he wrote this caption, quote, This day has legit come from blood, sweat, and broken teeth. This is my little brother. I'm so happy for him. Y'all don't understand this man. Wow, since day one, I knew this man was special. He's now seeing that blessing from the hard work he's been putting in the time and effort to become this man first and a basketball player. And it's just such a sweet relationship that Kyle and Fred have because if you're thinking... If you're thinking of it from Kyle's perspective, A, Kyle is very involved with the players' unit. He really loves seeing players get paid. So even just from that perspective alone, it's it's amazing that um, someone has now earned generational money, secured generational money, right? So that's that's already from, from perspective Kyle is going to be supportive of that. But the B, it's, it's a special situation because Kyle took Fred under his wing when Fred came in 2016, and Fred was the fourth string point guard. Don't forget, Fred went undrafted, Signed a two-year minimum deal with the Raptors, guaranteed for only five or fifty thousand dollars to come to training camp. He had to beat out other players to even just win a roster spot. Was literally the fifteenth man with he was the fourth string point guard with Kyle obviously as the starter, All Star Corey Joseph, who was you know entrenched as the backup. Then you have Delon Wright, who just happened to tear his shoulder, and that allowed Fred to be the third string point guard. Like. 
to go from that, and, and Kyle was mentoring him then. He saw something in him, in him then. You know, Fred was always been vocal. vocal. Uh, he, he was a leader of the team. And to see what he's grown into now, I mean, Kyle must be so proud, right? I mean, when he says, this is my little brother, I think it really means that. I mean, literally in size and demeanor and everything, you know? And and the cool thing is, obviously, Fred gets to be his own man. And, of course, that's just, the coolest thing right now is that you have Malachi Flynn, who essentially can be, I don't know, Kyle's like a grandpa now. But, um, nevertheless, it's an awesome situation. And you could see the, the, the genuine... Um, happiness that the team has had for Fred. You know, I saw messages from Rondé congratulating Fred. We saw messages from Matt Thomas congratulating Fred. So the guy that clearly people love. And if you look back at, um, you know, obviously the bubble was a very, very tenuous situation. Fred was, you know, front and center in terms of what the Raptors were trying to uh, do in terms of their social justice initiatives. Um, Fred was just straight up a leader. I mean, he led the Raptors in his playoff scoring, period. Uh, He's, you know, he scored more points than anyone else in the playoffs. Now, obviously, the part of that is Pascal, but whatever. He did that. Hit twice as many threes as the next closest guy for the Raptors in the playoffs. Did a lot of stuff. And, you know, I know people get on him for that last play in Game 7, which, by the way, if you actually watch that play, the reason the, the Fred ended up dribbling like that is because the Celtics actually made an incredible defensive read to take away the baseline pass to Norman Powell where the Raptors were trying to run the hammer play that they usually run where guard slashes from one end of the floor, gets into the paint, and then throws the cross-court pass to the opposite corner for the corner three. Uh, but the Celtics actually snuffed that out. That, that was that play was supposed to go to Norman Powell, and so Fred had to go out and dribble and create. To be honest, I put that more on Nick to not call timeout. Regardless, I don't care. Um, you know, to, to see Fred develop to the way he is right now, I mean, you know, everyone is a big fan of him. He's got a big future here, and this contract secures that. So, um, hopefully this means maybe less of the con- of the uh, Osmos commercials or anything like that or, uh, you know, Fred doing ASMR or eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. But honestly, you never know, to be honest. I kind of actually enjoy these little cheesy commercials. Uh, but, you know, it's uh, I'm happy for Fred. It's a great success story. It says a lot about the Raptors. He is him, Pascal, guys like Kyle. These are guys that they embody what the Raptors are about. You come to Toronto, maybe you're not the most heralded guys. Kyle was not the most heralded guy. He got traded for Gary Forbes in a first-round pick. You you look at um, you know Pascal, 27th pick, Fred undrafted. You come to Toronto, you, you figure it out. The organization is here to help you develop and grow. And these guys are shining success stories. And the Raptors have this identity. Fred is an embodiment of that identity. And I'm happy for him because also he's just straight up a really good player, man. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, he's not perfect. You're not paying him perfect money. You're not paying him max money, man. You're paying him a very, you're paying him to be a very good starter, which he is a very good starter. So don't see anything wrong with it. Um, and I'm pretty happy with it. So um, that's that's the update on Fred. So he's gonna stay. And I, you know, if you listen back to this podcast, I was always very confident Fred was gonna stay. Um, I know they took meetings and everything like that, and that maybe threw me off just a little bit because I thought the Raptors would have um, maybe already handled that part of it and maybe, you know, tampered. But at the same time, you know, uh, as we learned with the Bucks situation, um, look, it's uh, <laughs> maybe tampering is not the greatest thing, you know? That is not the greatest thing. So, um, yeah, you know, I'm happy for Fred, happy for the Raptors. Now, the Raptors turned their attention now to signing Serge Ibaka. Uh, Masai and Bobby were in Chicago to meet with Fred. Then they got on a plane to go meet with Serge Ibaka. Don't know where, but I'm assuming New York, something like that. 
Um, but you know, I, I, I don't know specifically where they're going to meet with Surge, and the Surge conversation is going to be a little more difficult because the Raptors are dealing with an older free agent. I'm not totally sure Surge is going to be a long term core piece. Uh, but at the same time, a very valued player. And if the Raptors want to be good this year, and the Raptors seem like they want to stay good and they want to run it back and remain competitive while also collecting assets and developing players, um, you know, you're going to have to be a little bit more careful in terms of how much money you offer Surge. My proposal, which I don't know if Surge will take something like this, it will be like a two year deal, 18 in the first year, 18 in the second year, maybe a little bit more, 19 the first year, 17 in the second year, something like that. Second year being some sort of like partially guarantee, some maybe even a player option. And, you know, if Serge chooses to pick that up or he can go back into free agency, who knows? But if he even chose to pick that up, uh, you could move that for value if you needed to, to create cap room, again, for a max contract player if they want to come. Or if not, you just keep Serge again. So hopefully that's enough. I mean, I think when you look at the other contenders that Serge might be looking to sign with, most of those other teams only have the mid-level exception to offer. Uh, the Clippers, for example, um, you know, well, they just lost Montrezl Harrell. Uh, you know, I mean, they could theoretically work out a larger sign-in trade, but the Raptors would need to accept that kind of sign-in trade for them to get to a higher salary figure. Uh, Brooklyn, kind of the same situation there. And we'll see. I mean, you know, if the Raptors do lose Surge because he really wants to go somewhere else, I hope they can work out a sign-in trade because, A, I don't want to see Surge making just a mid-level exception next year worth nine point whatever million because... A, he's just he's better than that, and I don't think he should take a discount for some of these newer teams that aren't no guarantee. Like, if you join the Clippers, if you join the Nets, there's no guarantee you win the championship. Um, but B, I also think that, you know, um, for the Raptors' perspective, you don't want to let an asset walk for nothing. So if you can bring back um, something in a sign-and-trade, try to do it. I think this is a year where the Raptors, you know, because of where the monies are and the fact that there's not that much cap room because everyone's waiting for next year to spend their money, uh, a lot of sign and trades. Sign and trades is definitely more advantageous this year to sign than other years. So, um, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with Surge. Uh, again, I hope the Raptors resign him. I still feel good about it, but I don't, not nearly as confident in Raptors resigning Surge as I was with the Fred situation. But thrilled that the Fred thing worked out, man. And again, you know, it's just when you look at some of these other teams around the league. Uh, the Raptors are in a good spot. I know everyone's kind of... I know they only made one signing. They still got to fill the roster and stuff like that. I get it. They got some. Hopefully, they make some additions as well. On top of just the picks, I think they can try to do something with their offense um, and maybe bring in some, you know, a, a backup center if, if they move on for like a Boucher, although they restricted Boucher, uh, and, or Mark. You know, I haven't heard anything with the Raptors and Mark. But, you know... Um, they're still in a good spot, man. Because if you look at some of the other teams around the league, like the Celtics, for example, they just lost Gordon Hayward. Now, of course, it's a huge contract. But the reason they lost, quote-unquote, lost Gordon Hayward is that, A, first off, he opted out of the team. B, they don't have another player that they can just replace Gordon Hayward with. Um, they don't have the money to really go out there and do that. They have probably the mid-level exception. Maybe they're calling surge right now. We'll see. You know, I know how Danny Ainge is. He calls people, talks about how he's talking to people, and that doesn't actually get the people. Um, but, you know, that's a loss for the Celtics. Not even because I, I rate Gordon Hayward like that, but because they don't actually have another asset or player that they can use to match salaries, get something back in, a sign-in trade. There was talks that, okay, you know, Danny Ainge wanted to do a sign-in trade with the Pacers. They were talking about Victor Oladipo, and they were trying to get Victor Oladipo and Miles Turner. And uh, I, I believe the Pacers only offered Miles Turner and Doug McDermott. 
And and the Celtics said no, which is wild to me because now you have nothing. Because you have nothing. And now they have very little recourse to improve their team. They obviously still need to solve their center spot. And, of course, they need to replace Gordon Hayward, who, even though he was not fantastic and uh, was not totally healthy, but as a fourth option, he was still quite productive offensively. The numbers were pretty efficient, which is why the the, the, <laughs> the Hornets decided to pay $120 million for him. But... Uh, Celtics, you know, they're a situation that looks a little bit shaky. Um, if you look at the Bucks, they're very shaky right now. They still need to solve many of their problems. Still think they need a more versatile center. Um, honestly, a guy who they're going to miss is Marvin Williams. As a guy who can kind of play that small ball center role, hit the three, uh, or at least small ball four, so Giannis can play small ball five, because they need Giannis to play all five positions. Um you know, I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but they're going to they're gonna need to replace him. They're going to need to replace a guy like Wes Matthews, who they haven't really done yet uh, on the wing. And they have even less wing defenders, let alone the fact that they were already weak on the wing based on the fact that, you know, Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, guys like that have really exploited um, the Bucks in the, the previous uh, playoff runs because they have no go-to stopper on the wing. The Raptors had this issue for so long before OG Anobi came. Where the Raptors, I mean, like Joe Johnson... I mean, Paul Pierce, you know, uh, all these guys were just coming in and just tearing the Raptors apart because the Raptors didn't have a wing defender, Paul George, you know, guys like that. Uh, we used to just tear the Raptors apart. You need that defender in the modern NBA because that's where so many of the All-Stars are nowadays. The Bucks don't have that. They still don't have the flexibility. They kept their, 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 their bum coach. And now they're screwing themselves up because they can't get Bogdan Bogdanovich because they kept, they kept bragging about it and leaking it. The fact that they were tampering. Why would you leak the fact that you're tampering? Even the Clippers didn't do that. Even the Clippers who had Frank Lawrence living in the Air Canada Center didn't openly brag about that. At least that was just reporters speculating about it. Um, they went ahead and leaked the whole thing. So they screwed themselves there. And now they have to. They can't even secure Pat Connaughton properly. Like you know, This is very sad. It's very pathetic. And again, the bottom line is you have a, you have a superstar on the verge of leaving if you can't compete. And their attempt to compete was was this, which is not that good, to be honest. I feel like their their talent level, even after adding Drew Holiday, feels a little bit lower than when it was last year because they even had some productive vets that they lost. Whatever, we'll see what happens. But they're in a tough spot. You look at even the Clippers, they're in a tough spot too because they just lost Montrez. They were rumored to go after Rondo. They let Rondo go to Atlanta for, honestly, less money than the Clippers could have signed him for. You know, Rondo went... To Atlanta for less than the full mid level, so I don't know what the Clippers are doing there. Kawhi is pretty clear he wants a point guard. Uh, I mean, I don't think Rondo's necessarily an All Star guard, but at least a guy what Kawhi wanted and also has shown to be effective in the playoffs. They lost him. Uh, you know, they've lost Jermichael Green, which again, not the hugest deal. It's just Jermichael Green, but a productive player was a rotation player for them. Spent four sixty four on Marcus Morris, which. I mean, he's getting up there in age now, um, and, you know, whatever. I mean, Marcus Morris, honestly, was pretty good for them in the playoffs, and he's actually kind of interesting to me in terms of as a player because, you know, he's really turned it around, and he's become quite good. Meanwhile, his brother has gone kind of in the opposite direction. Very weird, strange situation. They're, they're twins. But um, Marcus Morris is 31 years old, so you've just paid a lot of money for a 31-year-old. Uh and you still don't have a center. In fact, you have less centers now. You still don't have the point guard. Clippers are in a weird situation too. So, um, 
if you're the Raptors, you, you should feel decently happy that you have your core, that the core likes each other, you can win games, not a championship core without a superstar, but still a very young core, a, a core with growth, a core with flexibility, a core that honestly, as fans, you could watch and root for and genuinely enjoy most nights. And yeah, you know, with, with a chance next year uh, or whenever the next disgruntled superstar comes along where you have assets in place that you can move them for. So that's just a, sh- a product of good management. The Raptors waiting, I think, until Saturday to, to clear out the first frantic afternoon of um, signings that happened where the Pistons signed like five centers. Um, you wait that period out. You meet with Fred. You get Fred, especially in this market, a very reasonable deal that works for both sides. And you can move forward now. So hopefully the Raptors can then go ahead and take care of Surge. I, I think that will be a little more difficult than the Fred thing, but still pretty optimistic. And yeah, as for as for Fred, you know, just I know he's not listening, but just look, uh, congratulations, well deserved. A guy who's won, and a guy who's grown, and a guy who's shown a fearlessness in the biggest moments, um, delivered in the biggest moments, and. Um, yeah, rightfully deserves his contract. So congrats to Fred as well. And yeah, so if any other Raptors breaking news happens, I'll be here. I'll be doing another free agency recap. Um, probably then tomorrow, honestly, because free agency is very compressed right now. So I'm expecting more news to come down. But for now, Fred is back. Raptors are happy. We should all be happy too. So thanks everyone for listening. And uh, yeah, check back tomorrow. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.